Welcome to video game spooktimism. <laughs> it's, it's so spooky. <laughs> it's the Optimist video game spooky show, where two best friends talk about the wonderful world of scares and frights. My name is Chase Goolsby. Oh, back back with the B, huh? Yeah. And that- Chase Goolsby. I'm a different guy. I'm David Bonavides. I think you may have done David Bonavides. I think so. It's just so good. It's just sitting right there. <laughs> I do remember Chad Bones being one of the ones that we <laughs> did at some Bones, point. yeah. <laughs> Chad Bones is pretty good. Yeah, I do like Chad Bones. That is fun. I feel like that's the Chavit of our scary names. Yes, yes. Chad <laughs> Bones. Hey, welcome to this episode. Uh, normally, we talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, hopefully, this specific episode is not your first one because this is going to be a real swerve if it is. Yeah. Normally, we talk about video games, but sometimes, specifically every Halloween, mm-hmm. we write little short stories instead. Yeah. Sometimes, and most of the time, about video game characters mm-hmm. and also podtimism character lore memes, <laughs> memes <laughs> from the from the previous year. So that's what this is too. This we is, wrote some. Yeah. We, we both wrote short stories mm-hmm. and they're scary and appropriate for the season. Yes. This is the variety show component of the podcast. Yes. It doesn't <laughs> rear its head all that often, no. but it is here. It's here today. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to mention about video games? I'm actually playing a lot. So like, it's kind of tough not to, but I feel like it's just like, you know, what are we doing? I, I feel like we'd be short selling ourselves because I have so many feelings about the good way that Mario jumps in Mario Wonder, sure. but like, I can't, I can't get all the way into that. You know? Exactly. Can I just say one thing about a video game that I really appreciate? Yeah, please tell me. Forza Motorsport, thank yeah. you for having a colorblind mode in this yeah, game. Yeah, it's in there. That lets me change the color of the race lines. It's great. It's very helpful. It's very, very helpful. I, I'm, I'm sure it makes the game quite a bit more enjoyable. <laughs> yes, I can tell the gradation when it's, when it's telling me to slightly start stepping on the brakes. I got it. <laughs> yeah. I get it now. Uh, so it's great. That's a really big part of the game. It sure <laughs> the is. Line. It sure is. Cut to someone saying under the breath, well, amateurs. But yes, <laughs> uh, I, I play with the racing line on because yeah, I like course. to have fun. So yeah, here we are. I'm with you. I, I, I am not a colorblind dude, but I can imagine that that would be a lot less frustrating <laughs> to, yes. to uh, enjoy. Yeah. I don't have too much to say about video games. Mario, Mario Wonder is amazing. And so is Spider-Man. And, you know, I got a VR headset for my birthday, Ooh. a VR headset. Ooh. Uh, and so I've been playing a lot of VR games that I'm going to want to talk about. But have you been playing Mario or Spider-Man in VR? Do they do that at all? No. Not that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would just instantly puke if I played <laughs> Spider-Man in, in VR. Let me just jump from the Empire State Building. <laughs> yeah. Swinging, spinning, and none of it is physically happening to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would fall down. Uh, definitely fall down yeah. at the very least. But uh, a little preview of that one. Hey, kids, anybody heard of this Beat Saber? It's a good game. Mm, there we go. It's fun. <laughs> Love it. The the not hottest take of any <laughs> VR enjoyer. Hey, Beat Saber is good. It's good. The game yeah. I've seen countless videos about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like his ubiquitous is Mario now. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, cool. D- hey, do you remember who went first last time? Do you have any recollection? I have no idea. Me I have neither. no idea. I have no idea. I remember um, was my story was the Tom Tom Nook. Yeah, and mine was Kelly Chambers. Kelly, Ch- Kelly Chambers. Okay. Do you want to go first or should I? Uh, I don't know. Do you have a coin you can flip? I do have a coin. Uh, I've got a D20 actually. Oh, okay. You choose whichever half you want. It's your. It was your birthday yesterday. Happy spooky birthday for you. Spooky. I choose one to ten. You got 11 to 20. Okay. I got a two. 
That's, bad roll. It's me. Almost a critical failure. If, if it was uh, a one, yeah. then we would just end the podcast right there, right? <laughs> just like, oh, um, we're no, not doing me. it this year. Oh, it's you? I got one through 10. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got 11 through 20. All right. You up, baby. Okay, cool. Uh, then I'll play some spooky music right here to transition us into our spooky stories. This, I, I will say a little preamble before we get started. A lot less spooky than mine usually are. I feel okay. like the last few, I have like found a dark corner <laughs> of my my soul to reach into to to get these horror stories. This one's a lot more playful than those ones were. So you're telling me that you're in a better space mentally this year? I don't know, because it doesn't feel that different. I've been fine the past few years. <laughs> but uh, Maybe I was just playing more horror games, mm. but uh, who knows? Well, maybe in like it's maybe it's because we started this horror season of our show two weeks late. Like in two weeks, I'll have a real mm. banger of a horror story. Sure, but, uh, sure, sure. For now, I got I got laughs and spooks, but it, it is, you know, it's like goosebumps scary, you know, goosebumps. Have you seen the new goosebumps? No, is it good? Eh, yeah. Eh, I like, fine. I don't need it. I don't need it to be like prestige television. Yeah. But like, is it campy or silly or is it trying to take itself seriously? It, I'd say it's kind of trying to take itself seriously. It's, it's one of those shows that's trying to play both sides, but then kind of uh, ends up losing its, I don't know, its true self somewhere in between. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe I'll watch it anyway. <laughs> I didn't title mine. I usually give it a title. I just didn't no give title. it a title. Untitled yeah, Unmastered no. by Chase. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, Kendrick's fourth tape. <laughs> and by the way, just preamble, whenever I say the name Byte, that is a name of a person, B-Y-T-E is his name. Oh, ooh, okay. So we're going right. into some Mega Man stuff. Actually, no. No. Okay. I know. That, that would have been a good name for Mega Man. Why didn't I write a Mega Man fucking Legends or Battle Network spooky story? You're ready for next year. Yeah, next year. <laughs> um, all right. I'm going to start then. All right. Let's hear it. A single flickering light shines down on the currently bound Bite. Bite's eyes open in fits and starts, adjusting to his newfound surroundings. Another man in a bowler hat slams his hands on the table across from Bite. Kid, I need the truth or you're gonna go away for a long time. Bite sighs, thinks for a moment, and then speaks. Uh, falsely accused for murder. The detective's partner was actually the killer, but he eventually kills his partner, kills me in the moment, and he gets away. The scene freezes, all except for Bite. A man familiar to Bite struts into view, leaning slightly on the detective, and gives Bite a disapproving look. You could at least pretend to play along. Luce, the moment you start getting original is the moment I start playing these games. I can barely remember anything prior to the eternity before last, but even I know when you're phoning it in. Luce grabs the jaw of the still-frozen detective and mocks Bite. Even I know when you're phoning it in. No respect for my subjects. You know, you, when you've been torturing souls as long as I have, and specifically torturing someone as long as you've been dead, then this, there's some common threads that are going to start creeping in. There's only so many horrible stories and situations I can put you in. I'm just asking for something I don't know the outcome to, said Bite. Oh, pray tell, a dragon who's going to light you on fire, but he actually has a heart of gold. An executioner who's going to lob your head off with a dull axe, but oh, what's this? She has a complicated relationship with her father. Riveting stuff. Oh, a crow. I'm going to have chew through your guts for thousands of years, but he's got a cool tattoo that glows sometimes. What's his story? 
You know, would it, could it kill you to put some effort on your end? Maybe you play someone who isn't just some miserable old soul. Get a little terror in your eyes for once. Bite takes a moment. Hard to be scared when I'm being thrown old material. Bite, don't know how vast the underworld is. I'm currently torturing billions and trillions of other souls this very second. And for some reason, you think you're a special little boy who needs his own interesting way to be tortured. Plus, isn't boredom its own version of torture? Doesn't that count? What I'm saying, Lewis, is if you want terror, you gotta earn terror. Fine, fine. On to the next horrible fate. Hopefully your dreadful gut instinct isn't going to clue you into the truth of the matter quite so fast this time, but I'm not holding my breath. Luz snaps his fingers, and by its current reality, melts away. His vision fades, and consciousness flickers. He used to be scared of dying, but having been here for so long has dulled the self-preservative part of his brain. Those fleeting moments between one torture chamber and another are an oasis among a desert of predictable horrors. Bite awakens in a town square. Night has fallen and a cold mist has settled onto the streets. Behind him he hears screaming as a few villagers scurry past him, tripping over themselves as if being pursued. Run! He's going to get us! One says. The monster's going to kill us! Another shout. But nobody knows his name, and he has an accent! Another commotion on the far side of the square. A shadowy figure atop a horse swings an unknown weapon and a villager below them falls onto their now lifeless knees. A bolt of lightning cracks behind the village, illuminating the rider and his horse rearing back on his hind legs, charging directly towards Bite. Bite sidesteps this oncoming blow and manages to spot the name tag on the rider and it says, Hi, my name is, but below it's just a bunch of question marks. The rider shouts, I'm going to kill you and your heads from and remove your heads from your bodies so I can finally find my <laughs> identity. No one is safe. I thought he was singing for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Bite speaks. I'm sorry, is this the nameless Norseman? The scene freezes once more and Luce steps out behind a lamppost. Don't tell me we've done this before. Well, you did the headless horseman, the ornery oarsman, and the senior sportsman, so I just wagered a guess that it was kind of similar to the rest of those. True, but do you know his name? His name is nameless, right? Like that's what's on his birth certificate? A momentary pause and Luce whispers, damn it. Luce snaps his fingers and the scene fades again. Bite finds himself opening nearly two-story doors. They resist and creak as he pushes with all his might with one arm, a torch being held in the other. The grand hall he enters is nearly pitch black as Bite squints, trying to perceive where he is now. A swarm of bats suddenly rush past him, slamming the grand doors closed, now leaving Bite nearly completely enveloped in darkness. Suddenly a cloaked figure whirls around the room, lighting a series of candles that Bite can see both outlines the room and also a single raised platform that extends from the back of the hall to where Bite now stands. A single spotlight clicks on the far end, illuminating the platform, and a somber piano line begins. Anne Wilson's voice echoes through the hall. I hear the ticking of the clock. I'm lying here, the room's pitch dark. A single cloaked figure steps onto the platform and begins moving in dramatic, rhythmic flares. One moment this figure is on the ground, pleading at the sky, the next they have suddenly popped their cloaked collar, hiding all but their red eyes from Bite. As the figure draws closer in their performance, Bite is able to spot two sharp fangs jutting out of their mouth. Bite snaps and says, oh, it's Dragula. Floodlights flip on, making the hall suddenly look like a movie set. Luce is suddenly standing next to Bite. It's quite rude to interrupt her like that. 
A now disheveled Dracula stares at Bite. I had a whole routine. <laughs> you know, I was going to have you follow her act. That's that. That was the torture. You couldn't even sit still long enough to enjoy the show. Now, not everyone gets to see Dracula. You know, this is the kindness I was doing you. I'm sure she was fine, but come on, that's a little overplayed, right? Haven't the Boulay brothers been doing essentially this for like 10 years? Lou squints for a moment, flicks open his iPhone, clearly types in the phrase Boulay brothers show, waits a beat, stares up at Bite, and says, Drac, I think we may need to come up with a new shtick for you. Uh, In better news, you may be getting that TV spot you wanted. Oh, finally. Lou snaps his hand and the scene evaporates. Bite is drawn back to consciousness, as he slaps his final clip into an old faithful pistol, pointing it at another person across the room. He spots out of the corner of his vision another person pointing a gun at him. No one moves initially, all waiting for someone else to blink. The person that Bite had his gun drawn on speaks first. Listen, we ain't got much time before the walkers are upon us. Now we could all sit here quibbling with each other, or we could put our differences aside and fight the threat that's at our door this very second person with their weapon trained on bite responds honestly joe i think you (laughs) you gave up the moral high ground a long time ago now you can either put your weapon down or you and shelly are making it out of here alive speaking of which where did she go off to as if called to action a girl maybe 15 appears out of the corner of bite's eye and buries a dagger in the side of the woman who's just spoken oh panicked the woman lets out a round of her pistol striking joe in the chest the girl shelly runs over to joe cradling his head bite can hear him begin to talk damn shelly looks like This might be it for me. I don't know if all this revenge-seeking was worth it. He leans his head towards the window, showing a horde of brainless monsters on the verge of breaking through. He says, It seems like the real- Bite interrupts him. The real monsters are in here, not out there. Luce, standing behind the now-broken door, says, Just because it's trite doesn't make it ineffective. Sure, but we did this one, like, last week, right? Like, how many times do I need to learn this lesson? I get it. Luce sighs, pressing his finger and thumb on the bridge of his nose and closing his eyes. Uh, Bite, I've got a proposition for you. There are these special cases when someone down here can earn a second shot up there. Not saying you'll be reborn as Bite, but someone else in a different time. The the thing is, you have to earn it. You have to show some kind of growth. Now, I'm not sure this is entirely possible for you, but could we at least try? Honestly, you've turned the tables on me, and I'm convinced this place is actually my hell. So I would love to give myself a few sweet years enjoying myself without you here. Okay, sure, but how will I know if I've changed? I don't really even remember what life used to be like. I'm sure you'll figure something out, Bite. Lou snaps his fingers. Bite goes dark again. He now finds a slightly less drab location. He's standing, bat in hand, over home plate. His eyes look up on the pitcher on the mound, who's just thrown a ripping curveball. Mm-hmm. Bite thinks it looks like a ball, but from behind the umpire calls, Steerag 2! Boos erupt from the stadium as Bite tries to get a lay at the land. There's a man on third. It's the bottom of the ninth inning, and there's one out. The score is tied. I've been here, Byte says to no one in particular. There's a repeat? What ends up happening? I just hit a homer and closed the game out, right? Luce comes over the stadium-wide commentator sound system and says, Well, folks, here we are. One last shot to take home the gold. It's all right. Don't think that's what people call it, but I just can't stand baseball. Uh, and in case you're wondering, no, this is not a repeat. Now befuddled, Bite steps back from the plate, adjusts his hat, and takes a beat. How do I know this place? Luce hates sports. I, I begged him to put me into some football horror story, but he just refuses. Why now? Bite steps back up to the plate, watching the pitcher as best he can. The man on the mound shifts his weight, moving his right foot and pulling his arm back. Bite manages to catch the way his 
hand is grasping the ball. He's going to throw a knuckleball. Certainly erratic, but it'll come in slower. Bite adjusts his body, knowing full well what's to come. The pitcher rears back and pushes as much force as he can muster into the ball that releases slowly towards Bite. As expected, the ball is moving with a strange lack of spin. It's disorienting and goes against the years of practice that Bite has. Before Bite can really second-guess the discovery that he somehow is familiar with what a ball should look like when it's hurling towards him, he pulls back his arm and tries as hard as he can to rocket this ball out of the park. If he can connect and does manage to knock it out, then this game is over and his team will have won. Who better to deliver this than their star player? Where is this knowledge coming from? Bite recognizes that he hasn't been told any of this, he just knows it. In the shuffle of his mind, he almost doesn't recognize the ball connecting with the bat. A solid hit and with enough force that it should work. Everything is going to plan until he finds that he must have hit the ball a little lower on the bat than he was expecting. It fires up directly at Bite's head, connects right between his eyes with such force and ferocity that people in the upper bowl hear the blood-curdling crunch it produces. Whoa. Bite is killed instantly. Whoa. Bite eyes up the pitcher on the mound who's just thrown a ripping curveball. Bite thinks it looks like a ball, but from behind the umpire calls, Steerike 2. Boos erupt from the stadium as Bite tries to get a lay of the land. There's a man on third, it's the bottom of the ninth inning and there's one out. The score is tied. Whoa. Again. Bite says to himself. Bite waves a pitcher off for a moment and looks around. It feels too familiar to just be another nightmare cooked up by Luce. He knows the distance from home plate to the stands. He knows what the popcorn tastes like when you get it on the first floor compared to the third. He knows it's been a tough season, and he knows he's the best shot this team has at winning the World Series. Fine, Luce. You want to make me stand here and swing at the ball until I crush this game out? Let's play. Bite steps back up to the plate, once again seeing his name, Bite Gulch New, on the Jumbotron in the back. He sees the pitcher wrap his finger around the ball in the exact same way as before, another knuckleball. The pitcher hurls the ball towards home plate, just as before. Bite adjusts his swing just slightly so he doesn't commit the same mistake. However, just before he swings, the ball shoots up into his skull, killing Bite again. Bite eyes look up to the pitcher on the mound, who's just thrown a ripping curveball. The umpire behind him calls, Steerike 2. <laughs> That's bullshit. I should have got that one. Mm -hmm. Bite focuses, adjusts his stance, swings again, and is once more met with the same fate. Steerike 2. Bite realizes he's going to have to get creative. He tries switching stances. Killed. He tries not swinging. Somehow the ball curves up at the last second, still killing him. He tries charging the mound, which inspires the pitcher to throw the ball at Bite, also killing him. Bite loses count of how many attempts he's made, but his spirit is worn. He's unclear why, but the realization dawns on him. This is how it happened. This is how I died. Over the intercom, he hears Luce chime in. Ah, oh, some progress at last. Bite continues to literally bash his head against the wall to no avail, sometimes putting more or less effort into the whole affair, only to be met with the same result. After being thoroughly broken, Bite decides on one of his runs that he is going to quit, to simply opt out. He slumps onto the ground and sits. He does this for many more loops, ending and beginning once again, figuring that Luce must have lulled him into some sort of state that he can never truly escape. However, at some point after opting to lay down and staring at the sky, Bite decides to do something he hasn't done yet. He looks at his dugout. He looks at his team. To his surprise, his coach and even few of the players are pantomiming something. He rolls onto his knees to get a better look. Bite assesses his coach, seeing him nearly pleading with his eyes and appearing to be holding an imaginary bat with hands slightly pushing. Mm. 
No fucking way. I'm not doing that. I'd rather sit and rot than do that. Ah. Man on third. One out. Two strikes. After many more loops of rot and malaise, Byte stands up and mutters, God damn it. Steerag two. Byte centers himself, trying to convince the pitcher that he's going to swing at this another time. He's always refused to do this on principle. It's not worth winning if you have to win like that, he would say. But he remembers all the time his team disagreed. All the time his coaches tried to plead with him. All the time they asked him to just fucking bunt the ball. Mm. Byte moves his body and grasps the bat with his hands. He knows damn well where the ball is going to be, given his practice now. He shifts the bat downward and connects with the ball. He flinches, expecting the same result he's gotten before. But miraculously, instead, what he now sees is a pitiful, slow ball rolling towards first base. He immediately takes off running, knowing damn well that the other team is going to beat him to getting the ball to first base. In the confusion, the pitcher stumbles towards the ball and does exactly what his muscle memory tells him to do in this situation, throw the ball at first base. A mistake, but one that is welcomed by Byte. He does get there first, and well before Byte can get there. Byte slows to a jog, but hears the stadium erupt. The runner made it back to home base, and the game is over, and they've won. The dugout pours into the field, hoisting the runner onto their shoulders in a clash of pride and excitement, but Byte is left standing on first. Luce finally appears. Took you long enough, but hey, growth. I didn't love the way that felt. That's a nice thing about growing. You don't have to love the process. You just have to do it. Oh, look at me spewing niceties as if I give a shit. I'm a demon of my word, though. I'm going to send you back to be reborn in a new life and a new place. Thankfully, free of baseball. Before Byte can protest, he awakens once more. This time, a little more tangible than he's been. He takes stock of the world around him, apparently in a bustling little city. A bit older than the time he lived in, but mercy is mercy. He does notice a few onlookers are walking past him. Do they recognize him? Is this not real? But instead what he hears are jeers and laughter. He manages to make out someone saying, <laughs> Bunt Chugly. What a fucking weird name. <laughs> Another trick. Another torturous existence. Real, perhaps, but a horror story nonetheless. Should have known better than to trust the devil. And that's all. <laughs> you did it. I did it. You bunted. <laughs> I you gave bunted bunt with Bunch Ugly, an origin story. I gave him the origin story. I had to. I couldn't not do it. I tried writing a bunch of other shit and just couldn't. <laughs> I mean, that was pretty damn good. I like that. No, it was fun. I like this one. Uh, like I said, a little less spooky than, <laughs> yeah. than, than the past few. <laughs> no, that was that was fun. I really enjoyed that. I loved. Hell yeah. I loved the sassy demon. I like a sassy demon. There's no, there's fun. just nothing better than an angry, sassy demon. Yeah. Yeah. I reminded me, he gave him, oh, good place vibes. I mean, that's kind of what's happening in the story. Yeah. Like, yeah. Might as well just be Ted Dancing torturing poor oh, Bite. Ted Dancing killed that role, man. It's really killed good. You did a really good job. Uh, in case anybody is looking this up already, yes, Bite's full name is an anagram to Bunch Ugly. Oh, that's had you, to, you had, really you really put in some effort into this. I had to do it to him one time. I feel like I have an anagram in every in every story <laughs> we do. Oh man, or even just some sort of name trickery because the same thing happened with Kelly Chambers last year. You you like your you like your anagrams. I definitely have things that I feel like I go back to quite often. A reveal. I always want a reveal. 
a review. Yeah, you want you want you wanted that that M Night Shyamalan reveal at the end. Like, oh, they had dang, to do it to him. It got me. It got me. Anyway, ta-da! There you go. Ta-da! Ta-da! That was great. I loved it. Thank you. Thank you. David, I would love to hear your story. You ready for it? I'm ready. The name of my story is mm. Swamp Town. <laughs> Great. Yes. <laughs> the acrid smell of sulfur hung low in the air, a constant reminder of exactly the type of trouble he was in. A faint mm. splashing could be heard as the oars struck the water while firefly, fireflies floated languidly through the dense fog, providing only the faintest of light as his eyes strained to make sense of what was around him. I hate doing this, but it's the only way through. The only way for me to make it to there. Okay, yes. Kirby steeled himself against his surroundings <laughs> and would not let this epic amount of adulting drag him down. Oh, no. He reminded oh, no, himself. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot about Millennial Kirby. He'd escaped, he'd escaped my grasp. He, oh, <laughs> uh, he reminded himself that he wasn't doing this just for himself, but for his doggo as well. So they oh, could both fuck. live the life that they were promised, and he could be the best dog dad he could be. The true horror of this story is going to be <laughs> me getting the reflection of my generation held up to me, David. <laughs> pretty oh, much. Pretty much. He continued on through the fog, his vans getting damp, and the edges of his skinny jeans becoming wet as small amounts of putrid, fetid water entered the boat as he continued to row. Mm -hmm. As he struck the oars against the water, their sounds seemed to be absorbed within the fog. The scene was almost peaceful. The still and calm beauty of the swamp surrounded him. And if he didn't know what was to come, he would even find this boat ride relaxing. No matter any of that, all will be better once I get there. <laughs> he was getting distracted. He needed to concentrate. No more thoughts of the swamp. No more thoughts of his doggo. Just make oh it through, God. Kirby. Determination washed over him. He trudged along in almost total silence, unable to see or hear, relying solely on his sense of smell to guide him. Mm. He mm. began to catch a faint scent and started to row toward it. Yes. There it is. My planning worked. It will work this time. <laughs> Kirby had tried passing through the swamp many times by now, but each had ended in failure. He had previously attempted to suck in the fog, but there was too much and he passed out before mm. he could finish. Sure. He tried to combine his properties with the fog, but he wasn't able to control his body afterwards. It took him a full week just to reconstitute himself enough to reform as his body wandered piecemeal through the swamp, independent from his conscious control. Oh my god, that's horrifying. <laughs> right. It was only through sheer dumb luck that he managed to gather enough of himself to reform, and it took him months to recover physically and mentally afterwards. But it also gave him time and perspective to perfect his plan. The only option was the, was the one presented at first, a rickety old boat, and to use your sense of smell to find your way. Kirby, lacking a nose, had tried to av avoid this route, but only mm. when he made the painful decision to absorb his dog did he finally make any progress. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> you're, oh. you're getting all the treats you'll ever want once this is done, buddy. I promise you that. <laughs> As the smell wafted through the air toward him, his new plan began to take form. The online forum post had told him to look for the faint smell of barbecuing meat with a faint hint of what they called funk. What that means, only someone who has smelled it can understand as it exists outside the bounds of normal human experience. Mm. He recalled the most upvoted comment on YouTube, 
It's a different kind of BBQ smell. It's less meaty and more funky, you know? He didn't know, but he was determined to find out. He continued to follow the smell, lurching through the thick water, wrestling the oars as they became thick with algae and scum. New smells began to appear, attempting to throw him off the scent. He was expecting this as every YouTube tutorial and walkthrough he watched told him to make sure to ignore the other smells, no matter how enticing, and to follow the absolute funkiest smell that you could find. Mm. He continued to paddle, picking up speed as the intensity of the smell became stronger. He felt the soft thud of sand beneath him, and his oar ran aground. The funky smell continued to gain strength, an overpowering feast for the senses, made even more intense by his doggo-enhanced senses. <laughs> Kirby got out of the boat and trudged through ankle-high water, swatting away bugs and squinting to make sense of the world around him through his lensless mm. glasses, when he found himself on a small sandbar. He was now relying solely on his intuition at this point, as the smell was so strong that he could no longer tell where it was coming from, and was mm. so omnipresent that he could taste it as well. <laughs> this must be it. This must be the area of offering. The smell is overpowering here. I can't believe that after all this time, all this googling and researching, that I'm actually here. He took a moment to revel in his accomplishment, but then determination once again took over him. He opened his mouth and pulled out a pair of barbecue tongs with racing flames custom painted on the side. He reached out with them into the uh, oh pale no. night and recited the incantation. If it's funky, we'll find it. Oh god. <laughs> I've been trying to guess where the fuck is this going for the past five minutes. Ay, ay, ay. The air grew still. Not a single sound could be heard, and the funky smell began to slowly subside, like a mm -hmm. wild creature retreating back into the shadows. <laughs> Kirby peered through the fog, straining all of his senses for any sign of him. He began to hear a distant whistle, as if wind was trying to escape from a kettle, and could begin to make out a dark shape floating through the mist toward him. The smell of grease and oil clung to the apparition, gaining in strength as it made its way slowly toward him. A faint yellow glow could be seen in the deep dark recesses of his hood, and in his hand he bore another pair of barbecue tongs with the same flame decal as the ones Kirby bore. I've been waiting for you for some time, Kirby. You have tried to make it to my city and have demonstrated ingenuity enough to have earned a meeting with me. So let me ask you, what is it that you seek here? Kirby was almost stunned into silence as he felt his dreams come closer to reality than they had ever been. He gathered his courage and spoke. I've traveled here for many reasons. To gaze upon the great factories producing donkey sauce for the masses, <laughs> to visit the arena of the grocery games, and of course, to witness the true meaning of Out of Bounds. But, above all, I've sought this place after hearing that a home is provided free of charge. If oh you can impress God. the city's leader with a signature dish, <laughs> So, something delicious he can add to his trove of wonders and delicacies. I have trained and honed my skills for the past year, perfecting my dish to appease the appetite of the one they call Yug Sierri, the mayor of Flavortown. I was wondering if you were going to go with Guy or his nobody, Yugs. <laughs> he's got a black cloak on. He's, he's Yugs. He's Yugs. Yeah, it's Yugs. Yeah. The shadow fell quiet, as if thinking and considering the information it had just heard. Kirby could feel something tugging at his mind, checking his intentions to determine if what he was saying was true, weighing his soul against what he was saying and the creature's own desire for taste. <laughs> I, and what meal do you seek to prepare for our leader? I don't seek to prepare anything, sir. Rather, it has already been prepared. 
Kirby reached into his back pocket, straining against the fabric of his skinny jeans and hoping that the tension did not harm his dish. The shadow looked on, realizing from his choice in clothing that Kirby must be telling the truth, as no one who had been outside in the past year would be caught wearing this this sort of outfit anymore. (laughs) Kirby finally found what he was looking for, and from his pocket pulled a massive, bright tomato with a large M on it. Mm. The apparition pulled away, shocked at what he was seeing. Is that what I think it is? You brought a Maxim tomato here? I've heard of these before. These have the ability to heal all wounds, do they not? And their flavor is said to be second to none. How did you procure such a wonder? Oh, I I absorbed a farmer and then grew it. A stone-faced Kirby replied nonchalantly. (laughs) The shadow reverently picked up the tomato. He tossed it in the air and then grabbed it delicately with his barbecue tongs, examining the tomato closely, expertly. Yes, yes, this will be perfect. He will surely be pleased, he muttered. This is a fine specimen indeed, young Kirby. I am impressed with your skill to grow and produce such a marvel, and your resolve to reach me is as well most spectacular. It has been many years since anyone has braved this swamp to have an audience with me. The shadow suddenly threw its hood back, revealing a full head of spiked bleached tips, a hardy Mm. goatee, and eyes hidden behind a pair of dark jet black sunglasses. This was him, the mayor of Flavortown himself, Yugs Fieri. Come now, young Kirby, join me, and we'll make sure that Flavortown is spread across the world and then across the cosmos. But first, we'll need to give you a new name. Does Brickski work for you? Or maybe Crixby? Let me know what you prefer. We need to make you one of these sweet black cloaks with the name engraved on the inside, so at your earliest convenience, please send me an email. Yugs continued to speak sending out shakas and saying catchy sound bites as he continued the onboarding process for Kirby. (laughs) As the the slog, as the fog slowly receded around him, Kirby began to feel a general unease, as though Mm. nails were slowly scratching at the edges of his mind, and a deep pressure began to build up within his stomach. A low honking could be heard off in the distance, and the newly (laughs) revealed hillside which the swamp resided beneath began to quiver and writhe. Kirby was certain the nearest road was miles away and did not remember seeing any hilly terrain on Google Maps. No fucking way. The hillside began to slither and quiver along with the incessant honking, and what seemed to be the headlights of hundreds of cars began to move through the fog, frantically picking (laughs) up speed and getting larger as they raced toward Kirby, with Yugg smiling in front of him the whole time. The headlights suddenly passed by Kirby and then disappeared up into the night sky, a faint oil slick trailing behind them, the only clue that something (laughs) had been there. Yes, yes, Kirby, he is pleased with this. It is time. (laughs) Kirby recoiled in terror as the fog began to slowly disperse around him, revealing not just a large swamp, but a gigantic, stinking, putrid ruin of a city. Crumbling walls and decaying structures slowly falling into the water as the swamp took back its rightful territory. Massive, grotesque tire tracks could be seen on the side of the buildings, (laughs) and large football-sized swaths of ancient trees surrounding the former town had been knocked down as it fell in one large, sweeping blow. Where once Flavor Town stood, a beacon of culinary excellence with affordable housing was now a rotten dump. <laughs> Kirby looked at Yugs, anger and indignation flashing across his face. You can call me whatever you like, Yugs, Bugsby or Kerbsy or whatever, but all I care about is what was promised on the online flyers and ads I saw for this place. Clearly the homes here are not habitable. Is there somewhere else where the housing is? Yugs <laughs> laughed heartily. 
You actually fell for that? Wow, man, if that wasn't so funny, that would be sad. Man, you millennials really are that desperate for housing <laughs> that you'll spend months of your life looking for a place based off of an internet banner ad and some sketchy subreddit? <laughs> Yugs doubled over laughing, his barbecue tongs falling onto the soft sand of the swamp. Man, you must feel like a real idiot. I put that out <laughs> up to see if anyone would be foolish enough to find me and bring me the last object I need to feed my army. His army, I should say. Yugs pointed to the oil slick in the sky. Oh my god. Kirby began to panic. He began to realize the magnitude of his error. He looked out around the ruins and began to see that they were gently pulsating, writhing. They began to shift and stir, and Kirby began to realize that the ruins were teeming with the undead. Chefs, <laughs> home cooks, mixologists all had come to seek the blessing of Yugs and the wonders of Flavortown. Only to oh have their god. hopes dashed, only to become another cog in the stinking Cthulian flavor machine that Kirby had now set into motion. <laughs> he frantically began to think about what he could do. His breath began to quicken, and the feeling of despair in his stomach triggered a long-forgotten memory. He was a child, and there was a large cake in front of him with five flaming candles. He looked around to see his family and friends around him, all of them telling him to blow the candles out. Excitement washed over him, and he began to inhale in preparation to blow out his candles. He inhaled, and inhaled, and inhaled, greedily taking in air, ready to blow out his candles better than anyone else ever. He continued to inhale, ten seconds passed, twenty and he only continued with no end in sight. His parents began to have a concerned look on their face, and his <laughs> friends shifted uneasily in their seats. Kirby continued to inhale deeper and deeper, until he crossed the barrier be between inhaling to sucking. The cake flew down his gullet, but his gaping maw was not satisfied, as though the vortex that was now his lungs had taken on a mind of its own. Chairs oh flew through the air, wallpaper and paneling began to rattle and rush. Presents swirled and twisted and ripped apart, and his guests began to be lifted into the air as well, holding onto their chairs for dear life to avoid being swallowed whole. His parents began to sob, tears streaming down their eyes while yelling, <laughs> pleading for him to stop, to cease this madness and allow them to live. His grandfather's dentures flew across the room, and the eyes of his guests began to shake, also wanting to become one with the void inside Kirby. But it made oh no God. difference. The sucking continued, and only ceased when a stray inhaler from his asthmatic friend found its way into the vortex of his body. While entering the singularity that was the pit of his lungs, the inhaler let loose a small amount of its medicated spray, causing Kirby to cough uncontrollably and stop the terrifying sucking. Mm. The room was in utter chaos. His grandparents were both laying face down on the rug. His parents were a disheveled, bawling mess, blood running down their eyes. His terrified friends were inconsolable. Everyone was asking why. Why would you do such a thing, Kirby? You can suck, but don't also, like, suck. Years of medical and psychological tests could not find the cause of this ability, <laughs> but one thing remained able to control it, the inhaler. He trained and learned to use his powers responsibly, affecting only a small area in front of him instead of consuming everything and anything around him. It had been a constant struggle to contain his power, a constant source of self-hatred, his this guttural force, but now Kirby knew why he had been inflicted with this gift. It all made sense now, for this moment, to stop the onslaught of Flavortown upon the world and the mm. cosmos. Kirby unhinged his jaw and began oh, to suck no. him <laughs> So scary. Who's the, who's the real villain here? I know. <laughs> Kirby unhinged his jaw. He closed his eyes and allowed for the years of repressed self-hatred and anger to come rushing not out of him, but into him, into the mm. void that he had always known existed there. The water began to slowly siphon into his mouth, and the buildings began to shake and quiver, as if they too were afraid of what was about to happen. The slow siphon of water increased 
increased exponentially into a vortex, into a power so great that nothing could stand in its way. Yuggs looked on in horror as the individual atoms of his body began to be absorbed into the infinitely dense core residing within Kirby. Man, I've seen some crazy shit, but now that is really out of bounds! He spiraled into Kirby's gullet, along with the buildings and fell denizens of Flavortown. As they entered, Kirby could feel their true selves cry out in thanks, feeling their gratitude and understanding that they each and all, even Yugs, had been tricked by a creature of the void, Truckthulu. The name resonated within him. This was once a beautiful, peaceful, flavorful place before that abomination found it. And now, thanks to Kirby, it will be lost to time and history, the very idea of it also being sucked out of existence. Well, just goes to show that if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Kirby shrugged his shoulders and and allowed his jaw to reset, but before doing so, allowed his dog to come back out into the sun and blue sky that now surrounded them. All right, well, guess we better go back home to mom and dad's and start filling out apartment applications. You still get all the treats for your help, though, buddy. Don't worry. The end. Jesus Christ. I, I, I was truly not expecting truck, Trucky to show up once again. Trucky was there. Trucky, he was there. Trucky uh, definitely became the, the, the dark patron of Yugs Fieri somehow. Yeah. Way. Yeah. 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 In his constant quest for flavor, he became uh, malleable to the, the whims of an elder god. I, I like just whenever you start telling a story, my mind is immediately trying to figure out where are we going and like who, who, are, who are the major characters here? And like the yeah. third act reveal of Truck Thulu, I was just, I was not expecting that one. That was a little Easter egg for all the, the real podheads out there. Yeah. <laughs> The ones who have listened to that episode. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. That was a fun one. Yeah. I, I, the more that I wrote about Kirby, the more I realized that he's terrifying. He's a very scary creature. Yeah. yeah. The implication of his powers are not fun to look at. Yeah. He's definitely an Omega level mutant. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you, David. <laughs> Round of applause. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Well, shit, we, we, we got through our stories a little quick. Sure did. You want to talk about like one video game? Yeah, let's do it. We each get one. You pick a video game. Okay. Uh, I just talked for like a good 20 minutes, so you can go first. Oh, okay, <laughs> sweet. Uh, I'm going to talk about this game this week, and I'm sure I will continue. But uh, man, that Mario Wonder sure is good, huh? It's a good one, huh? I haven't heard it's much that- about it. I mean, I see, I've seen reviews, but I have not yeah. like really read in depth why people are enjoying this so much. Yeah. I'll tell you why I like it. So I think just like historically, the Super Mario World was one of the first games that I was like, not fully conscious, but like a kid and playing it and being like, wow, video games fucking rock. Uh, (laughs) Like very fond memories of playing that and like forcing my mom to play it with me who Mm -hmm. she was never good at video games. And so like I was at the time very frustrated with her skill ability, (laughs) but sure. In hindsight, must have just been torture for her to play this thing that she's like both not good at and getting like burned by her child being like, yeah. dude, fucking get good, please. Like, you brought, you brought Xbox Live to your mom that day in person. Yes. Yeah. It was proto Xbox Live. Just get talking shit. Group. Yeah. 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 Um, this seems like a skill issue, actually. <laughs> uh so like the just the series as a as a 2D experience was like very formative for me. But like I, I would also say that like I was 
equally impacted by Mario 64 as in just my like appreciation of video games, my understanding of video games. That was like quintessential as well. Um, and so it was kind of challenge. Um, I've been thinking about my relationship with the series because it's like kind of hard to nail down in a weird way because like Mario is just so fucking ubiquitous that it's like, what is your relationship to air like what is your relationship to breathing or water or something like that yeah it's just like so hard to put a finger on like uh-huh. why this is good and yeah other than like it feels good to be mario <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's so hard mm-hmm. to uh figure that out but i will say that like over time i started to prefer the games in the 3d series yeah that like Mario, Sunshine, Galaxy, Odyssey, Galaxy 2, any of those, I was like, that's kind of my preferred route mm. of, of of the series. Because of course, like Nintendo has still been putting out the Mario games that are uh, like 2D, right? Yeah. And by and large, those have been the new Super Mario Brothers, the ones yeah. that like orig- originated on the DS and then... Mm-hmm. There was a handful of them that got put out later, even uh, like New Super Mario's Wii U and all that shit, or New Super Mario's U, whatever it was called. Um, I played that with M recently to mm-hmm. like just get a feel for it. And I, I still kind of felt the same way about it that like this is fun. And I think that there is like such a high level of craft going on here that it's kind of undeniable that like this is a fun side scroller. Mm-hmm. But uh, it for me hadn't reached the highs that I was experiencing in most of the 3D Mario games. Okay. And I think that um, the thing that I really appreciated about the 3D Marios was the sense of curiosity and exploration that they brought. Mm -hmm. In pretty much all of them, there is a feeling that you kind of get in like something like Breath of the Wild, right? Where your curiosity just kind of draws you to a certain place in the level. Yeah. And usually Nintendo's pretty good about like giving you something for that. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more directed in something like Sunshine where you have like a very direct goal or even Galaxy where it's like you're supposed to get to the end of this level and do it. But even still, a lot of the the fun of those games was like all the shit that happened along the way of like, what's this power? What is this corner over here that I can get to? I think a lot of those games do a great job of having like enough kind of secondary or tertiary goals that you can do mm-hmm. i think especially in odyssey where like getting every moon feels like a possibility or like finding all the purple coins is like something mm-hmm. and so like that that's what i kind of felt like was not in that that the new super mario brothers games didn't have as much of it felt a lot more kind of traditional like this is a jumping game and the fun of it is the jumping, you know? Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say that, like I said, I don't think that that's bad. It's just, I, I, when I reached for a Mario game, it was usually the 3d ones. Yeah. Cut jump to super Mario wonder mm-hmm. where this is kind it's like, it's definitely a 2d Mario game for sure. But I will say that like, even from the previews, you could tell that like stylistically and just probably uh, philosophically that this game might be doing something different. Yeah. They showed it off in the previews that like these wonder seeds are a thing that you can get a hold of that like really turn the level on its head. I was truly not expecting them to be in every single level. I thought like these, this is a sometimes treat that, <laughs> that uh, Mario <laughs> wonder is going to give us. Yeah. But it is in every single one of them, and I am constantly surprised in this game at how they make a single level, and they establish all the rules of that level, and then the moment you get the Wonder Seed, it says, fuck all of that, we're doing something totally different now. Mm -hmm. We are taking everything that you just learned 
and turning it on its head, but in a way that is still incredibly fun. Oh, love it. Uh, I'll just talk about the early ones so I don't ruin anything. But mm-hmm. like sometimes they're not even like, oh, it's going to be harder now or anything like that. But the, the first one they showed in the preview, right? is that the the tubes that we've been going down for years and years come alive and they start mm-hmm. like inching along the ground like worms yeah. and stuff like that. Very fun. Mm-hmm. The second level uh, turns into a chorus of piranha plants singing a song to you. I love that. Incredible. It's I, I was like g- gobsmacked <laughs> that 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 experience, but there are so many of them where it's like you've been fighting a monster the whole time that has been teaching you about how to fight them and then the wonder seed turns you into that monster and suddenly you have to be like, okay, How do I now get through this level? Uh Also, I know that if that thing steps on me, I will die. Sure. So like, because I've been playing this level, I've seen it happen already. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just astounding. And in a way that I have not come to expect the 2d Mario games to give me that, like the moment I see the wonder seed in the level, I'm like, okay, I'm curious what's going to happen now. And so that same part of my brain that is reaching for exploration and curiosity in the 3d games is here. It's just kind of in a different form than I was expecting it to be because mm-hmm. like the the level has an end, right? It's still to the right. You just run yeah. to the right and like that's most of it. But I, I think the joy of this game and I just I, I just wasn't expecting it is is that this given this push and pull this give and take between the more traditional half of the level and then the just buck wild crazy shit that happens whenever you get a wonder seed. <laughs> So is this is this the uh, the mullet of games? It's business in front and party in the back. <laughs> Pretty much, man. It's it is it is it it's, it feels unassuming when uh-huh. you play it in the beginning. Like, and I think I saw Brendan Big- Bigley tweet this that he had said like, I know that I missed a wonder seed when I get towards the end of the level and it's like huh that seems like a pretty regular level of mario mm-hmm. and like usually yeah because a lot of them are hidden right like oh, you don't necessarily okay. just come upon them and so go looking yeah you kind of always look and i will say like i would say most of them are pretty easy to find like mm-hmm. If you're just hitting enough blocks and like jumping in the places where it looks like maybe they don't it, it, it want you initially, yeah, it, you'll usually find it. And so it is this process of kind of, turn, kind of turning over stones to find the coolest part of the level. It is such a joy and uh, definitely does the Mario thing where like there are certain parts of the game and the levels that are gated behind collecting enough wonder seeds. And so it kind of turns in on itself. It folds in on itself where... I want to get more because I want to be able to explore more places so that I can find more wonder seeds so that I can play, get to more levels and all that sort of shit. Mm-hmm. It, uh, I haven't even mentioned too that like you're in an overworld in this one, like if sometimes kind of similar to Mario, Super Mario World or uh, uh, Mario 3 or even one where you choose or not one, but three where you choose a level and then you go in there and then you kind of walk along a predetermined path to get to another level once you come mm-hmm. back out of that one. But there are also areas that are open, like you will get to uh, one of them where it's like it was the world select before. Now you can just kind of like wander around in yeah. the overworld. Mm-hmm. And that place also has secrets, right? Ooh. Like there's a lot of p- places where like, huh, they don't let me see myself when I go behind this wall. What if I keep walking? And then sure enough, there's a little prompt for a, and then you can jump in a tube and go somewhere else. You know, love that. An unforeseen prompt is always nice. <laughs> yes. So it's it is this just incredible display of them being able to put the stuff that I think Nintendo does the best, mm-hmm. uh, which is 
curiosity, leaning on your own like creativity and interest and uh, just wanting to poke and prod at the video game. Mm -hmm. And they've put it in a 2D Mario, which is just like not the place that I expected that a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like for a long time, at least for me, like there was joy in experiencing all the wacky shit that got down in like the Mario's before uh like new super mario brothers like world and three and all that sort of shit because there's like a charm to it it's very um it's very nice and feels good to play mm-hmm. not to mention like that fucking jump man they got it they got it real early and so like it's it's not that those games were bad by any measure i think that they're really good but this game now that i've played it makes those other ones feel like wow it feels like it's kind of missing something now yeah they're of course not but I just think the combination of one half traditional Mario level Mm -hmm. into absolutely banana shit works so, so well and leans on, like I said, the, the stuff that Mario games do really well, where it is teaching you a logic about a new mechanic Mm. and asking you to perform things on that mechanic right like in any of the other games it's usually like here's a new power up or here's a new thing or here's a new enemy uh and we're going to put you to the test with those things this one is we're definitely going to put you to the test but we're also going to flip it immediately (laughs) so like how do you uh, approach that how do you learn from that it's it's so so fucking good i can't believe it (laughs) Mm -hmm. awesome yeah i'm 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 really curious to play this game because the the Mm -hmm. new super mario brothers games were just never 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 my thing yeah for one reason or another they just never clicked with me i've always like same as you were saying i always gravitated more towards the 3d mario games always seemed like yeah more enticing to me the ability to explore the world a little bit more free in the movement wise but this one seems like the first time in a while that i can remember that they're really trying to like innovate and change how you think about the structure of those games which i'm really interested to see how that how that works so yeah definitely that just you talking about it making making me curious and wanting to play it as well it's, it seems like it's is it is it a pretty long game it seems like as well am and i have been playing it for like over the weekend essentially mm. i don't think it's super long like you can't i i feel like with the older marios the length was determined by how fucking hard the game was sure it doesn't really feel like that i i think it's probably in line with a lot of the other like 2d marios that have come out sure it's hard for me to say exactly though because i don't really know what happens once you finish the main thing that you're doing Mm -hmm. because they're like in in kind of traditional mario fashion there might be some shit at the end of that that i'm not expecting yeah like the uh 3d land was kind of like that right where you beat bowser and then it's like hey there's like four other worlds that you can go to now there's so much left after the end of that game yeah (laughs) yeah or in odyssey too where like you think you beat it and then it's, it's much longer so i wouldn't be surprised if there is like some optional stuff Mm -hmm. after the main kind of story that you're playing through yeah but we'll see i don't know i I wouldn't say it's short but uh i don't know probably like i suspect this will probably be like a somewhere between five and ten hours i don't know where in there but somewhere in that vicinity and it's multiplayer you can play couch co-op yes em and i have been playing together love it it's really fun it's really great it uh mercifully does not have the thing that was in new super mario brothers where you could pick up your allies and throw them (laughs) oh Um, yeah or and you don't jump on your friends' heads which was great for chaos but genuinely after a certain point i was like i think i would just prefer to watch you play this m because like Mm -hmm. i can't like the levels that are really hard is made so much harder by having two people in yeah them. two objects that collide and interact with each other in weird ways yes yeah yeah because i'm like barely scraping by over here mm-hmm. but uh yeah it's great i i haven't even mentioned a lot of stuff about it but like just to go down a little bit of the list the music is wonderful no Ooh. pun intended but like 
really, really good. The power-ups are amazing. Turning into an elephant fucking rocks every time. They say wowie zowie every time they turn into an wow-y elephant. Wowie zowie? So good. Does Mario so say it? Good. Everybody. Everybody says it. Mario <laughs> says it. Luigi says it. Peach says it. Toad say it. Everybody says it. Love it. <laughs> That's incredible. I'm also just happy to see like a little bit of playfulness with the characters in a Mario game. Like, mm. I feel like they've been very precious about adding new stuff to Mario lore. Yeah. If, if you'll remember correctly, they were like really closed off to having any new like characters introduced in the Paper Mario Origami King because Nintendo was like, it needs to be the shit that we expect. Like, no sure. new weird characters, no <laughs> new like kinds of characters or anything. No weird is allowed. No weird is allowed, which like those games rely on so heavily mm-hmm. is like weird little guys that you run into but uh this one like i wouldn't say it's a totally different game but like there's new characters there's new kinds of like the this area has its own version of like toads which is very fun mm. so like while i don't think that they're like really rocking out of the park with like a brand new holy shit ip or characters or anything like that it is just a relief to be like awesome i haven't seen that in a mario game before like this specific character or this kind of level or something like that so mm-hmm. it's really great also that the animation is just fucking crazy i can't believe how good it looks it's good love it again just so bright so the colors are all so saturated mm-hmm. the animation on all of the characters looks so good it it really distinguishes distinguishes itself visually from the other entries in the game whereas like the the new super mario games sometimes felt like this is it's like vanilla Mario. Like the design of it is just like regular standard Mario. Mm-hmm. Whereas like it, all the characters are a lot more expressive, can see their facial animations changing all the time. Like they're, they're reacting to certain stuff. If they're running a lot, the, or if you're like sitting still versus running, their faces will be different. The music will be different in that case. Like it just changes a little bit to mirror what you're doing. Mm. There's also like they added horns whenever you're an <laughs> elephant, which is just like so <laughs> So fucking good. Uh, do they sound like elephants? The horns? It, it doesn't sound like elephants, but it sounds like elephant music, mm, you know? Sure. It's really great. I... I was worried about what this would be because I really didn't want the 2D Marios to not be an afterthought, but just something that consistently didn't have the kind of massive creativity that I saw in the other parts or the other kinds of Mario games. But I think this one is a very good example of showing that that is totally possible here and makes me think about the 2D ones in a different way, Mm. which I'm shocked that I'm having that experience at all. Sure. Yeah. It's just, it's really, really good. I'm really enjoying it. Love it. Mario Wonder. I'll, I'll tell you when I beat it, which is probably soon yeah no i'm I'm looking forward to playing that one dip my toes yeah what you got you got anything it's still just been baldur's gate 3 not much else to say except that i'm in baldur's gate now um oh hell yeah welcome i'm I'm just consistently floored (laughs) by how massive and intricate every single new area is with you know npcs storylines flavor of just the world and the lore happening around you or if you just Mm kind of walk through town and just eavesdrop on people's conversations it is overwhelming how much they have put into this game. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's it's insane. It, it really is truly something special to behold just how lovingly and well-crafted this game came out. It's just, I mean... Uh, I know it's not it's not much of a news flash, but man, <laughs> this game just keeps giving. It's just so impressive what it's able to do. It's so shocking. When I got to Baldur's Gate, I was like, it is so wild that this is still the same game. Changes a lot. They could have so easily put out 
part act one and two mm-hmm. and I would have been like, great. Can't wait for the next one. Can't wait for when it wraps up, you know? Exactly. It feels like three games rolled into one. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's bananas. And like, honestly, I kind of hope that if someone plays Baldur's Gate and, and then they also want to make a game like this and a CRPG, I hope that they don't see the length as a requirement. Yeah. I would be so happy if any other games could even come close and also they're just the size of act one that's fine you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. it is a, a a shockingly deep experience and like I, I you know there's there's something to be said for having a complete and not final but uh, yeah a, a complete experience in one package without having to you know have sequels upon sequels and dlcs and everything and like yeah you know there there are arguments for that in either direction and like i you know the financials of it are kind of the biggest part there but mm-hmm. even just like creatively i like that i am going to see the end of the story in the same game but yeah. you could definitely tell a good story in 20 or 30 hours and oh, have yeah. it not be this big you know yeah no you don't need we don't need something to be this grandiose epic each time we can have smaller games that just kind of, you know, but, but not not just, but also provide a great story and combat system and engaging world to live in and be in. Yeah. That's really what I'm itching for. So long yeah. as there is still couch co-op, please. Please don't forget about <laughs> yeah. our couch buddies. Um, it's true. Yeah, it's just, it's just endlessly impressive. Uh, really a truly special game. Really excited to see where the game goes from here now that I'm in Baldur's Gate. Feeling a little overwhelmed, just seeing the size of the map in this one there's so many people to talk to already in this small area it's just it's going to take a while but i'm here for it i'm here for it this is this is a slow burn uh just loving every minute of it it's great totally i took a break when i got to Baldur's gate because i was like i am also feeling like almost like it's too much Mm -hmm. but i know if i just waited like a week or two i'll come back with a hunger which i'm hungry i'm hungry for video game yeah which was true like uh, yeah it felt almost like too much but then coming back to i was like all right i'm refreshed i'm here i want to you know get all the things going on in my quest log Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's great i i love how much resolution they give to so many of the things that they set up in the other parts of the game yeah Um, absolutely there are so many side quests tied up in there in like satisfying ways that Mm -hmm. are that build on everything that has been going on up to that point. Oh yeah. All, all the characters getting like interesting, cool stuff going on that you get to react to, you get to dig into, you get to see like, you know, backstories and things pop up that you weren't expecting to and resolutions that are genuinely compelling. Mm-hmm. Just couldn't help ourselves from talking about the video games, you know, we're, we're little monsters. We're, we're, we're video monsters, yeah. video game goblins. I'm kind of glad that we could, because I was really worried about coming back from two weeks off and having like, like a big good Mario game and also a Spider-Man game and also VR games all in one episode. Like we ain't like, talking about nothing else but the games we've been playing this episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, That's no it. good games this time. Honestly, I hadn't even ever considered that. That's totally an option if we've played it's too much. Sure, it sure is. <laughs> you know, around this time of year, yeah. we have a lot of things we want to talk about. Yeah, it's true. When we, when we have video game variety show in there, yeah. we can do what we want, baby. That's true, yeah. Like today. Like, like today. Which, hey, now that we're talking about reflection... And thoughts about the last little while. Uh-huh. Should we close it out? Yeah, let's close it. Hello, gamers. It's me, Chase. And yeah, you, you, you know what goes on here in the outro. If you want to talk to us, you can do that at pontimism.com. There's a link to Discord and email and and X. should just get off Twitter. You can submit games for us to play in the good game segment. Uh, thank you for everybody who's been doing that. You can also check if we've played shit. 
in there. If you're like, man, when did they talk about bio freaks for N64? Mm. You can type that in and see. We haven't yet. We haven't talked <laughs> about, about bio to say, freaks. Have we talked about that one? No, we have all not. Right, all right. <laughs> I just went into my the log of all the video games I've ever played and pulled out bio right. freaks. Bio mutant, we did do. We did do that. Mm-hmm. We did do that one. Interesting video game. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, check us out on podtimism.com. If you want to help out the show, there's a couple things you can do. Um, you can review it on Apple Podcast or Spotify or something like that. Um, it, it genuinely does help. There's mm-hmm. enough analytics to, to know that there is like bumps in impressions and shit like that, which like, hey, that's not what we're here for, but it does help get the word out. So that's helpful. You can also show it to a friend and be like, hey, mm-hmm. here's a very one-off episode of this video game podcast, but this time they wrote about Millennial Kirby and Bunt Chugly. Bunt Chugly. So yeah, there's that. Uh, th- also, thank you. Hey, Scott Wilkinson, mm-hmm. thanks for your work on our podcast art. Thank you, Absolutely Scott. crushed it. It looks so good. You too can be a purveyor of the arts. Mm. If you want to, you can go to Scout's Ko-Fi page. Uh, she's got a couple of uh, commission slots open. So if you uh, like her art that you can see right now in your podcast catcher, she might be able to do something fucking cool for you too. If you just want to like, she does a lot of like character portraits. Those mm-hmm. fucking rock. Hell yeah. I got an icon of my head Ooh. so that people know who I am when they see me on the internet. But uh, yeah, you can, you can scoop up one of her commissions, which is great. Um, also, hey, last but definitely not least, thank you, listener. Wait, listener, stay there for just a second. Thank you, The Worst Garbage, for having us on the network. We appreciate you being here. Or not being here, but us being there. Thank you for allowing us to be on the network. Yeah, thank you for letting us be here. Thank you. Appreciate it. Love being on the network. It's great. By the time this comes out, Can't Let It Go's new season will have dropped about one Metal Gear Solid uh, with a Chase Albee on the episode. Hello. So anyway, welcome to the network. I don't know. We haven't been there that much longer than you, so that feels presumptuous, but here we are. Mm -hmm. Anyway, hey, listener, come back over. We're done with that part. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode yes. and this podcast. Uh, we appreciate you being here and also being open to whatever this weird episode is. We do we do these very <laughs> regularly, but it's very fun to be able to just be like, hey, this time, something totally different. Mm-hmm. So thanks for hanging out with us. We, we appreciate you being here and uh, your listenership. It's great. Thank yeah, you. Thank you so much. I asked for you for gaming wisdom last week because I did the outro, but I feel a little odd doing it again. You can ask me. Can I just say real fast, though, that I did enjoy that you started the outro seemingly like a lounge singer? It felt like. Oh, really? You're like, hey, come on in. You know what we do here. Hey. <laughs> hey, you cool cats. Why don't you step on over here into the gamer <laughs> lounge? We're doing the outro now. You know how it goes. Sit back and relax. And thank you. I'm going to pour you a nice cool can of Mountain Dew. Mountain <laughs> It's the gamer lounge. Mountain Dew with a float of balls on top. <laughs> Just for that energy. I wish they named it anything else yeah. but they sure did name this energy drink balls just yeah just to be clear we are talking about an energy drink that is called balls b-a-w-l-s they knew what they were doing and they mm-hmm. did it yeah they sure but did. here we are still talking <laughs> about it sure in the gamer lounge they're in the zeitgeist now still somehow we're somehow. the ones keeping them alive game yeah. fly and balls <laughs> still talking about them it's this the millennial zeitgeist baby kirby's here too <laughs> anyway Gaming wisdom is if you're going to name your energy drink, name it something so provocative that people really can't let go of it even 20 years after they have had their last sip of it at a laser tag mm-hmm. establishment that also no longer exists. I don't think I ever had it. It's, it was not good. I can tell you with some clarity, it was yeah. not a delicious drink. Wait, which laser tag place doesn't exist anymore? I think the one, like the laser tag place on like El Camino. Carmichael and- laser tags 
gone? I'm pretty sure it's not there anymore. Oh, my childhood just took the, the finishing blow. The finishing blow to my childhood was just <laughs> sent me. Was just sent to me. Permanently closed, yeah. They're done. I'm more emotional about this than I should be. <laughs> I spent a lot of time there. That's that's not unreasonable. That's where I got my Nintendo 64 for my birthday. Oh, really? Yeah. Damn, that's a good one. That's a good one. That was my N64 birthday. How much can it realistically cost to run a laser tag? I was starting to crunch the numbers in my head. I was just thinking about it. (laughs) Is this going to be be our Hallmark movie chase? (laughs) We bought a laser tag. Two friends come back to their hometown to to start running their local (laughs) laser tag business that went out of business. See, but like I'm married though and you have a girlfriend. So like, it's not a love story. What is it? It's a bud story. It's a bud story. Okay. Now this I like. It's just this two I buds. Like. It's just two buds. If if we're pitching the movie, what's well, give me like a quick bullet list of the shit that happens, like trials and tribulations. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, it's the first Bud movie. Yeah, it's not like a buddy comedy. It's just a Bud. It's just Buds. Buds. Just guys buds. hanging. Yeah, guys it's, hanging. It's, it's a it's a dude's rock movie. It's a dude's rock movie. My goodness. Two best friends gone back to town. Yeah pull their resources together to open this place up yeah they make a living space upstairs because they're trying to live that millennial dream ah yeah owning a home owning a home that's also their business it's got six thousand square feet in this motherfucker we can definitely find a place to sleep yep you know when it's when the place isn't going the 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 kids will like sleep in the turrets in the uh in the laser tag arena yeah right yeah and I think it's just, it's just a small business drama, baby. We, we franchise, we get big, we start opening it like Japan. Hideo Kojima sure. joins us. We yeah. make a Metal Gear Solid version of Laser Tag, Stealth Laser Tag. Uh, it's great. I'm kind of wondering if like there is a rival Laser Tag that opens up across the street Ooh. that's like has bad business practices or something, you know? Dungus Laser Tag. Dungus Laser Tag. Get fucked, <laughs> Dungos. Get out of here. <laughs> they open at Adventures and Comics and Games across the street. It, an extremely small Laser Tag comparatively <laughs> they build underneath the earth and they try to come over to our laser tag place under the ground mm. like um from there will be blood and they're talking about the, the milkshake sucking it underneath like we take your laser tag we just send yeah. people we send our customers underneath a tunnel to your laser tag to play there while you're not while you're not around yeah they're grifting us they're getting money yeah 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 and it ends in like a pretty brutally violent scene of us like in a real shootout in Ooh. the in the streets of carmichael oh man but Bud movie. Bud movie. Feel good Bud movie. Come see Dingus Laser Tag this summer. (laughs) Here we go. We're doing it. (laughs) All right. Bye, everyone. See ya. Garbage. Duh, I'm mine.